Hello and welcome to the Travel and Transformation Show with me, your host, Sophia, and my guest, Diane Lee. Diane is the embodiment of what I help my clients with. She has created her life in a way that is all about her. She's living a life she loves. She's created it her way. She's not letting anyone, including society, tell her how she should be living her life. So Diane, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. Of course. I've, you know, I'm just so thrilled that I was actually able to get Diane. So I'm just going to, if you guys will indulge me for a little bit, I'm going to let you know how Diane and I met. So now Diane is a very accomplished woman. She's an avid golfer. She's an avid traveler. And Diane and I met a long time ago when I was actually doing jewelry parties through Meetup. She saw a picture of me on Machu Picchu and she decided to reach out. Shortly after that, we did our first trip together and that was an Alaskan cruise. So that's really how we got our start. But Diane has always been up and coming in a very male dominant dominated um, industry. So since the show is about both travel and transformation, Dan, can you tell us like what got you started with the travel bug and some of the places that you've been? Yes, I love that question. And I love that question because it's really about, you know, my journey as a young girl. Um, I was born and raised in Malaysia, in Southeast Asia. And my mother um, was an avid traveler. Um, and I genuinely think I got it from her. I mean, she had such an adventurous spirit. Um, and, you know, they, as they say, the fruit never falls far from the tree. Right. So, yeah. So from that standpoint, you know, I'm just so blessed and so grateful that I picked um, that up from her, that adventurous spirit. Um, and, of course, you know, being in Southeast Asia, the opportunity to explore um, was very convenient because, you know, with a 90 minute flight, you end up in Thailand or a couple of hours more than that, you end up in Australia or New Zealand. So from Malaysia, from where I was located, it was very centrally located and easy to hop around and to see other countries. So I definitely took advantage of that as a young girl. Um, but I remember my first flight at six years old, and my mom took me on a trip to Singapore. Mm-hmm. And I just, I remember sitting and, you know, I was so tiny. I was particularly small as a young girl. And, you know, I was like swimming in my seat. The seat belt was way too long for me. And I was like peeking to the side, trying to look at the flight attendant, um, give her, give us her instructions. So it's just a really, you know, amazing experience. Of course, my mom made it a lot of fun. Um, and as I came into my own and as, as I came into my 20s, I made it a point every year on my birthday to pick a country that I had never seen before. Okay. Right. And I think that's something um, you and I share in common. Yes. <laughs> that is one of the very things that we share in common. I'm usually out of the, out of the country on my birthday, checking out yeah. somewhere new. Me too. And where are you off to this year for your birthday? So that's a great question. Um, My husband and I have found our new love, which happens to be Hawaii. 
And so we're kind of exploring all of the different islands as we go. But last year, I did do Germany. Okay, nice. All right, so you have just been breaking the rules. And as I mentioned, being in a male-dominated industry. I know you were in you were a journalism major. So how did you get into construction and real estate? And is it another part of this question is what is it like for you as a woman in a male dominated industry? So it's been exciting, um, definitely challenging, especially in my 20s when I first embarked in the construction industry. Um, but, I, you know, I was kind of finding my way. And at that time in the 20s, this was like 20 plus years ago, um, there were very few women who looked like me in the construction industry. And so it was, I had a really hard time identifying a mentor um, who would take me under, you know, their wing and kind of guide me along and show me the way. So I, I really had to figure that out on my own. So from that standpoint, in my 20s and early 30s, I will say it was quite challenging, right? Because you had no one to lean on. You had no one to really confide in. Mm. Um, no one you could really go to for advice because they were all men. Right. Um, and and I think they have a very different perspective um, in, in the advancement of, you know, of our careers. They have a very different approach. But now that I'm in my 40s, I will say that um, it's been a very exciting time. And one of the things that, you know, I'm really passionate about and one of the things that really drives me on a day-to-day -day basis um, in a, a very male-dominated industry, the construction industry, is my platform and my ability now to pay it forward. Um, and I've always, you know, I was always raised in this mindset of in service of others, mm. right? In service of others, first and foremost. And then if you can and if you're able to, then pay it forward, and so I'm actively, you know, trying to do my best right now for the next generation of uh, women in, in the construction industry. And, you know, we're, we're building on this this Me Too momentum, obviously, um, and the numbers are changing. I mean, 10 years ago, I would say the reports um, would tell us that there are less than 10 percent uh, of women in the construction industry. And today we're up to 14 percent. And so while the movement is slow, at least it's trending the right way. Right. I think that that's an important, that's an important distinction to make because a lot of times when you look around and you don't see women, if you don't know the numbers, you just feel like we're at a standstill and we're not making progress. But while right. progress is slow, at least progress is being made. So that's really important. And then you said that you know, you're doing your part for the next generation. So what are some of the things that you're doing to help the next generation come up? So one of the things that I actively um, participate is in is serving on all of these different construction industry boards. And I'm utilizing the influence that I have on these boards to ensure that, you know, women in general are given the opportunity to shine. And so getting them on panel conversations, getting them to speak to what they're doing differently as a woman in construction, giving them the platform to have a voice so that they can be seen and that they can be heard by other women. And just really multiplying that effort as best as I can and as frequently as I can, right? And so um, I've been able to really 
shed the light on a lot of women in construction who were typically never given a chance to speak to what they do and what they do so well. But I also want to make sure that I respond to your um, initial question, which is how did I go from a broadcast and news journalism major into the construction industry? Yes. So, you know, I'm a, I'm in business development. So a bulk of what I do is in networking. Um, And my network really worked in my favor. I met a lot of influential people in my, in my professional development. um, And they've encouraged me to join the construction industry because they felt like I could be, you know, in sales and I could be in business development. Um, And that based on the relationships that I had, that I could capitalize on those client relationships and take it to the next level. And so in my late twenties, I was given an opportunity that I could not say no to. Um, My mother encouraged me, you know, again, with her adventurous spirit, she encouraged me to take a leap of faith. Um, And one of her famous taglines, which I write about in my book is, if you can read, you can cook, but how well you cook is entirely up to you. Okay, so that is an actual beautiful segue into my next question, because you mentioned your book. So what made you decide to write your book, Leveraging Stereotypes to Your Advantage? So as you know, um, in 2020, it was a very challenging time for a lot of us uh, because of the pandemic. But I think it was an even more tumultuous time if you looked anything like me or if you were um, Asian in America. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, what I'm referring to um, is all the Asian attacks that happened in 2020. And that's that continues to happen today. Right. And so I'm a very firm believer of, you know, the yin and the yang concept, where there's a negative, there's a positive. Right. And so I, I chose to take that as an opportunity for me to really document, showcase and highlight the contributions of Asian Americans to the American economy, me included. So I'm an immigrant from Southeast Asia, and I've been very blessed, and I'm very grateful to what America has given me. And I want I want to make sure that that was really clear in my book. But I also wanted to make sure that what was clear in my book is that as immigrants, we do contribute to the American economy. We do give back uh, in more ways than, you know, sometimes than we can even imagine. And so I wanted to write a, a book, a really positive book, showcasing the contributions of, you know, not just Asian Americans, but in reality, all immigrants to this country. So, okay, I have to go here. Did you just wake up one morning and say, I want to write a book? I think I'm going to just do that. <laughs> I, or was this something that was brewing over years? And then, you know, because of the pandemic, it just came to the forefront and you decided to write it. What, so what was a, kind of your process? <laughs> yeah. So that's an excellent question. Um, so I was really fueled and inspired by all of the negative rhetoric against Asian Americans. I woke up one morning and said, you know what, something positive has to come out of all of this consistent negative. I just, I couldn't tolerate it anymore. Um, And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to take it upon myself to turn a negative into a positive. And I chose to do that by sharing my story as a young girl, as an Asian immigrant, 
um, that, you know, traveled across the world to come to America and how I kind of found my way in this, in this big world and now in Los Angeles in this big city. But how I've been able to, with a lot of hard work and support, and angels around me, you being one of them, um, how I've been able to find my way through all of those challenging times, you know, but how I'm also actively, you know, grateful and taking that as an opportunity, again, to be in service of other people. So what was the most fulfilling part of writing the book? Um, I'm really always surprised when someone approaches me out of the blue, whether it's through social media or, or, you know, the LinkedIn platform or in person. And they first and foremost tell me that they've read my book, because to me, that's so surreal. I never, ever saw myself as an author ever, (laughs) (laughs) even though I went to journalism school and, and, you know, I can write, I can tell a story, but this is my life story. So it's a little bit, it's very personal, right? So it's a little bit of a a twist on just, you know, writing a story. Right. Um, so first and foremost, them approaching me and telling me that they've read my book and then telling me how much the book has touched their lives is huge for me. And then I think I would say the third thing is that they now feel empowered and inspired to stand up so they can speak up for themselves. To me, that's really fulfilling and really powerful. Um, And every time I hear that message deep down inside, I know I did the right thing by opening up my entire life story and sharing it with the world. And I, I, well, I have to say, I am so proud of you for doing that because thank you. That to me was so courageous because to tell your life story means now I have to be seen and I have to be heard. But what you did was give everybody else, every other woman who looks like you and every other woman in general permission right, to be seen and to be heard and to speak her truth. So I think that that's really amazing because I know with a lot of my clients, that's, that's the hard part. You know that you have a message, you know you want to be seen, but then there's this little part of you that's like, no, I can't be seen, I can't be heard. Because I've always been told, you know, you got to be a good girl. You have to be seen and not heard. You can only do this. I can only be in this box or that box. And I'm not a rebel at heart, you know, because some people are rebels and then they just, they go against the grain just because that's part of their personality. And other people, they're not built that way. And they have to get sort of external validation to say, it's okay, And if this person can do it, then maybe it's okay for me to do it. So that, what you have done is just incredibly amazing. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I think there have been a lot of different levels and layers of um, benefits to writing my book. You know, you mentioned giving permission to, you know, others to have a voice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, honestly, I had to ask myself that question do I really want to expose my story to everybody in the world? Right. Because, you know, I'm vulnerable. I'm, I'm a girl, you know, I have emotions and feelings. I cry and I bleed. I have all of those different, you know, anxiety. I deal with stress. Um, But I think 
so it's so important to know that when you give yourself permission to be yourself, that is one of the most empowering gifts you can give yourself. As hard as it is, like my story was not easy to tell. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's been so compelling for so many other people. When people read my book, it gives them a, a true understanding of what I had to face coming to America as an Asian immigrant by myself as a young girl. Right. You know, and my, I mean, my ultimate message is that, look, if I can do it, you can figure out a way to do it. Because I was at a, a much greater disadvantage. When I came to America, I didn't know anybody. I had no relatives I could lean on. I didn't have a job waiting for me. You know, I didn't know a single person when I arrived to Los Angeles. I know that feeling. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And then somehow I threw myself in this highly challenging male dominated industry, right? Where, where men can be harsh at times. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to say today that we don't live so much in that world anymore. I think people are much more open and accepting and welcoming and far more kind to women. And I'm grateful for that. Um, but, you know, I, I guess you'll have to read my book to, to either laugh and cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, while we're at that point, because I'm going to ask a question later where people can find you. We can talk about that in a minute. But since we're on your book, can you just tell us where we can find the book? Sure. Um, so Amazon, I would say, is the easiest and fastest way to get, you know, your hands on my book. Um, so, yeah. Okay, cool. And so I love that. There's so many things I love about you, Diana. I just got to say it. But I really love that you're finding ways to give back to the community and you're raising people up by mentoring them and just just being you. But one thing I'd like to touch on briefly is to congratulate you on your marriage. And I bring this up um, because I just want to let the audience know that while it's a little off topic, because, you know, we've been talking about industry, we've been talking about the book, that you met your husband doing something that you love, which comes back to creating life your way and living a life that you love. So if I'm remembering correctly, you met him golfing. Mm -hmm. And I'm pointing that out because sometimes people are looking for relationships and they forget that just living life and doing the things that you enjoy is one of the best ways to meet people because you're being yourself, you're having fun, and it's like your best foot is out there. So do you have anything to add that you think the audience should know about how you met? So thanks for putting me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know me, right? <laughs> no, I'm happy to share because you know, you've been a friend of mine for, gosh, almost 20 years. Wow, it's um, been that long. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> unbelievable, right? Um, So, you know, I'm a pretty avid golfer. That doesn't mean I'm a great golfer. It just means that I love being outdoors and I happen to really love my golf outfits. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, it was the start of COVID and there was a lot of things we couldn't be doing, but golf was one of the activities that you could. 
And so I was out golfing with a group of friends um, and Scott happened to be there golfing with his group of friends and we had mutual friends and in passing, we were introduced to each other. Um, and a couple of days after that, you know, he got a hold of my cell phone number, sent me a text and then invited me out for dinner. And, you know, come to learn that he happened to be also in the construction industry. And so he could really relate to what I did in business development for the industry. And he was in, he's in operations and I could relate what he was doing in the industry. But the bond that we share, you know, was truly the love for golf and the love of being outdoors, being in the sunshine. Um, and he's a pretty good social butterfly as well. So, and I bring that up because what that means is that he could keep up with me. <laughs> right? Because you are Miss Social Butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> and and I guess he didn't mind my golf game. It's not great, but he was willing to put up with it. So I always feel like anybody who's willing to put up with my golf game and my shenanigans um, <laughs> and my demanding work life, you know, is golden. Right. And so I kind of, you know, kept an open mind. I and I really kept kept a focus on just making sure that it was fun. And and you've known me long enough to know that I don't look for love. Like, first of all, I'm too busy. Right. <laughs> I'm a very demanding rescue dog. Um, I spend a lot as much time as I can with her. And so you know, I'm just one of those believers that when it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And I accepted that, you know, in my in my late 40s, you know, and I did I did being single very, very well. And I'm proud of that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm also learning that I'm really enjoying being married and I'm a pretty good wife. Well, I think that part is cool because when you're when you're single, you have to learn who you are as a person. But then once you get coupled, you have to learn who you are in a relationship because things are going to change a bit. Right. So you have to learn to adapt and, and compromise, but not, um, not lose. When I say compromise, it's not like this person wins, I lose. It's always looking for a win-win, but it's not like my way or the highway type thing. <laughs> yeah, and I think also, you know, as you get older, I think you're also a little bit more tolerant, you're perhaps a little bit more patient. You know, you let things roll off your back. You know, we're all about having fun. You know, we laugh a lot. Um, it happens very naturally. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that. But I also know that, you know, God has plans for each and every one of us. And so... Right. You know, I pray every day. I don't pray for love. I don't ask God to give me love, but I do ask God to be loved, yes. right? Mm -hmm. Just love me for who I am and whatever shape or form that looks like. I just want to be loved somehow, whether I'm loved as a single person, whether I'm loved as a rescue dog mom, whether I'm loved as an employee. You know, I don't care where that love comes from as long as I'm loved as a person. So that was my message to God. Um, and, you know, God will deliver how whatever he sees fit for you at that very moment. Right. And I think it's important to remember that everybody has their own journey. So we should right. never compare ourselves to anybody else because 
comparison just breeds disappointment. So I love your story. And I want to do something kind of fun right now. I want to do like a round of rapid fire questions for you. So you don't get to think about it. First thing that jumps into your head, just let me know. Okay. Okay. Golf or golf or scuba diving? I love both, but I'll choose golf. Maldives or Belize? Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm going to have to go with Maldives. Okay. Egg tarts or red velvet? Oh, gosh. <laughs> so we have these Chinese egg tarts that are bomb. They are. I love them. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've had probably had them with me in Asia. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm just going to go with Chinese egg tarts. Okay. Yoga or running? Ooh, I love both. I run with Ash, my rescue dog, but I, I do, you know, yoga saved my my life. Uh, God, that's, that's a tough choice, Sophia. I know. <laughs> I'm going to have to choose yoga. Okay. Okay. Now, I know that, and I'll tell everybody a little secret. So when we were in Singapore, I was able to catch um, pictures of Diane doing yoga in in the garden that one can see in Crazy Rich Asians. It's pretty fun. I do remember that. So I would just like to um, for you to let people know how they can find you. So we know how to get your book. Amazon's the easiest way, but if they want to find you, how can they find you? Um, I am most active on um, the LinkedIn social media platform. So if you want to follow me, you want to hear about my activities, Look for me there, um, Diane with two N's. My mother decided I needed to be a little bit special. <laughs> so thanks, mom. But also on my website, dianelee88.com. But I, I also think that they can find me through you. Um, and before we end the conversation, I, I do want your audience to know that Sophia and I spent 21 days together touring Asia. Uh, we did Malaysia and Singapore. And we did a couple of cities, including Beijing and China. Um, and that was a year before COVID hit. And so I'm eternally grateful to have had that experience with my good friend, Sophia. That that was so amazing. I And the thing is, is that what's so funny about it, and I keep telling people, I don't always remember years. I remember experiences. And I can talk about that trip like it just happened yesterday. It is like so fresh in my being because it was so amazing. It was great to meet your friends and your family and just to explore new things and do the Great Wall. Uh, like I'm right back there right now. Thank you for that. <laughs> no, I'm so glad we could pull that off. That was yeah, amazing. That amazing was trip. so amazing. So I just really want to thank you for joining me today and I just want to tell you that you are such an in inspiration and I just really appreciate you. Thank you so much, Sophia. I appreciate you. And thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this conversation and this podcast. You're so welcome because what you're doing is really important. And I just thought, you know, everybody needs to know about what you're doing and your book and just y'all get the book. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so I will see you. I will talk to you later, Diane. And guys, I will see you next week. <laughs> Bye.
Thank you, everyone.